With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
We want to welcome you to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, February 17, 2011. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of CBBN, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, publisher of the South Street Journal, and candidate for the People's Alderman for the 17th Ward Movement here in Chicago, will be joining us shortly. And you know that is Chicago's own kosher opening up the show with Common Ground. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings. We invite you to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. This show has a national focus. We will reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We will bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place, and we will try to let the nation know what works in our communities. And although we will be moving across the country to reach out, we will continue to keep you updated on what's going on in the Chicagoland area. Tonight, our focus is right on our home turf. This evening's show is right on target with the two things that are on the minds of the citizens of the city, the upcoming election for mayor and jobs. Joining us later this evening will be candidate for mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins. With the city counting down to the February 22nd election, we appreciate Dr. Watkins giving us her time this evening and sharing with us her vision for Chicago. With five days to go to the election, we wish Dr. Watkins much success. But you know that our host, Ron Carter, is a newspaper man, and this should be an exciting dialogue on Chicago politics. So stay tuned for that segment of the show. And we're going to give you more, even more, more, more. This show has two parts, and both are extremely important and necessary to the well-being of the citizens of the city of Chicago. While Chicago waits and watches to find out who will be the next mayor of Chicago and the makeup of the city council, it is also witnessing a disparity of award contracts. The tough question this evening is, where are the construction jobs for our communities? According to Ryan Carter, we delude ourselves and we think that change can be achieved after February 22nd, 2011, without organizing the direction right now. He also states that a major part of the challenge that we must accept is that of redefining the functions and operations of all levels of contract procurement. Joining us for that discussion will be Mr. Omar Sharif, founder of the African American Contractors Association, AACA. Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National, thanks to the support of our national office. You can listen to our shows at www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Our show link is right there on the main page. You may also listen to a rebroadcast of this show at wjpcchicago.com every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. That's wjpcchicago.com. This is Black Wall Street USA, and our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Leave your comments there for our host. 
That's how we connect. Press the number one. You need to press the number one if you'd like to speak to our host, if you'd like to speak to one of our guests, or if you have a question or comment, and we'll bring you on the air. We're now going to welcome the host of our show, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, publisher of the South Street Journal, and candidate for the People's Alderman of the 17th Ward Movement. Welcome to the show, Ron Carter. How are you this evening? I'm doing pretty good, Sonia. How about yourself this evening? I'm doing great, doing great. I'm excited about the show tonight. We've got a lot of exciting things going on. But before we get into the show, let's find out uh, what's going on with Black Wall Street this week. Give us an update. Well, we had a very uh, intense uh, p- progressive meeting uh, today. Uh, we focus on uh, our summit that's going to be happening in the end of March of this year. Uh, and uh, we had a special initiative today with a representative of the uh, Black Wall Street of Gary, Indiana, uh, Mr. Ricky, Ricky uh, Cease. Uh, did I say his last name correctly? That is correct. I said it correctly. I don't know where he get a name like that. But anyway, a matter of fact, I even was so curious about it. I went online to see how many other seats are there with that type of last name. You know, curious minds work. Uh, but he was definitely there. Uh, one thing good about it is we've been focusing on these black Wall Street districts for the past uh, three years. What's so unique about today's meeting is that we had financial investors and uh, loan uh, people present in which uh, we are networking our Black Wall Street district with commercial lenders uh, and business lenders to really make it happen. Uh, Initially, Black Wall Street started these districts with the, the concept of the black experience of sustaining, increasing our black uh, businesses, uh, but today we're actually pulling together the implementation of people that actually can make it happen with the financial base uh, to bring it all to a good focus. And we also looked at the state of Illinois as it relates to um, grants and loans to accommodate the business loans that are being provided. Uh, for our districts as well. So, and then after the meeting, uh, a couple of our district uh, representatives actually sat down and started negotiating loans to make these districts happen. Uh, We looked at Gary, Indiana, maybe about a year ago as being a Black Wall Street district. When we met with the mayor, he gave us our blessings. But just because what happened a year ago, we and we think nothing is happening today. It actually are materializing, where there's a black developer, Ricky Cease, is building a uh, a 20-story uh, tower, uh, which would be a, a all-in-one tower with uh, businesses, um, residential or hotel suites. And he's actually acquired the property on Broadway and Fifth Avenue to make this uh, truly a black development with uh, being known as a black Wall Street district. And 
you know, it's not a point of excluding uh, others, but we did look at Gary as a point where it's neither going to be developed now or developed later, developed by someone else or developed by us. And so we are blessed to the point that uh, one of us has took the initiative to move forward, and we have moved here in Black Wall Street to embrace that movement of Gary with uh, uh, financial, global financial, to help provide some financing to make that happen. So that was one initiative. Uh, we came up with another Black Wall Street district on 69th Street in Chicago from State Street to Ashland, in which we're starting to mobilize uh, that area. It's a TIF area, and it's also a pet project of mine uh, because I live in the 17th Ward, and naturally where I live, I definitely want to see a Black Wall Street develop in the area that I represent as being alderman uh, of this particular community. So the community is um, excited, and it is an identification for the community to see a, a broader prospect. We've talked to not only people that's going to deal with the commercial development of 69th Street, but also a residential development to accommodate that Black Wall Street commercial revitalization. So we are in motion. Black Wall Street has always been somewhat of the initiator to get things done with sustaining and increasing black businesses, but now we are coming more into the implementation of these Black Wall Street districts, and that's based on supporting the existing organizations with their concept of sustaining and increasing black businesses. So, again, and we are planning for our next summit. Uh, we are still looking at the parity uh, program that we are initiating, which goes into our subject uh, with our special guest, Mr. Omar Sharif. So the, the parity issue is something that we see that can create jobs, that can be in line with the population of each ward to have a more accountability of contract procurement for the people of uh, each prospective ward. So a lot was going on today, and naturally, as we have our meetings every Thursday morning at 8.30, there's a lot of work that goes on in between and which builds up the, the, the focus and the implementation of sustaining and increasing black businesses. So we're heading into our fourth year on May 19th, um, uh, 2011, which we started May 19th, 20, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 2009. So a lot going on, and we do look at, you know, trying to be, um, uh, I guess, uh, very focused on this here election that's happening here in Chicago. Yes, myself being a candidate is not so much of the position of myself as Ron Carter being alderman of the 17th Ward, but it's based on the agenda that has been absent in city council, 
where we want to have individuals to stand firm that there got to be a black agenda in city council. And we look at that to the point of what has been happening in the last 10 years where the city of Chicago has been built uh, from the near south side to near west side and which what I have been calling the White Wall Street of Chicago where 175,000 housing units have been built. Uh, they've been built with tax, uh, with the assistance of tax dollars. They have been built to the point that they have provided jobs, construction jobs uh, for many people. They provided uh, a banking of loans for many people, and they have provided businesses for many people. And as this new 175,000 housing units have been built, there's also, uh, you can say, maybe double the amount of a new voting block. But that voting block has not been able to surpass the, uh, the voting block of black Chicago, which represents approximately 180,000, uh, I'm sorry, 680,000 voters, uh, which is the largest voting block um, in the city of Chicago. However, it has been decreased. At one point, it was 800,000, uh, but it still represents the majority. So our two uh, guests tonight, uh, Mr. Omar Sharif, will be going into that, uh, that construction industry that has been a long, drawn-out and progressive uh, activities that many uh, contractors, black contractors, have been involved in, uh, a steady focus of, of, of fairness, but it's been a steady focus of issues as well. And then we move on into the politics. So we got a good show coming up tonight, um, like we do every night, and um, I'm ready for it. Yeah, this is the Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network, and you're listening to Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and candidate for alderman in the 17th Ward. Let me let well, let's start the politics off a little bit, and then we're gonna we're gonna go to a break. Go to our guests. Tell our listeners, Ron, what is the 17th Ward movement? The 17th Ward movement is to replace and to be as direct as I can, the political plantation politics that have came from this particular area. Um, I don't want to belitter, and I cannot be nice. I got to be direct that the present alderman has been a tool for the daily administration, which has suppressed the economic stability of that particular ward. And so we're moving to a movement to replace her policies that has been destructive to the economics of the black community. When we say that we want 79th Street in Halstead to be a black Wall Street district, that's a movement of accountability. When we say we want 69th Street to be a black Wall Street district, that's a movement where that politics and that policy of the past uh, just got to go. You know, is she have done 
what we call the best that she can do, but it's definitely have not been the best that can be done, and it has not been an accountable to the best interest of the not only the residents of the 17th Ward, but it has not been to the best interest of black people of the city of Chicago. You know, she's a good person, but sometimes good persons, people let politics direct the best interests of our people and of our movement and being used as a tool to help disorganize any type of movement, any type of true representation. So, again, as a nice and sister love that we have for, sometimes our our own people are the, and it's not just sometimes, we know it very clearly, that our noble people have been used to suppress our movement. And they have done so sometimes based on their control, based on where their political, financial base is coming from, and sometimes it's for their own political uh, will and financial benefit. I was just in a a particular ward. uh, Well, I'm not going to go into another ward, the 20th ward, but when we look at the 17th ward, it was – Ten years ago, a viable commercial strip that had black businesses. Now, even with me being in the newspaper business, is that I depend on businesses in order for my business to to uh, to flourish. But when on 79th Street you dismantled the economic growth by turning commercial districts, commercial area into residential then the uh, the property owners are not able to rent to businesses, and the result is taking away jobs. That has happened in the 20th Ward on uh, 60, 61st Street. It happened on 79th Street. It happened on 69th Street. It happened on Halster Street. It has happened on Madison Street where aldermen use their power of zoning to suppress other businesses when they do not uh, contribute to their political campaign. For too long, the economics of our community have been resting with social developers and churches and elected officials, where the economics of any community should be resting with the business people, because the business people are, this is a capitalist society. And our elected officials are not to be capitalists. They support the capitalistic system, but they are not to be the capitalists themselves. They are to support capitalists in order to support the economic base. So this movement is about replacing the politics of Chicago that has been used to suppress black communities' economic growth and this here particular alderman of the 17th Ward is a best example. As good as a person, as sweet as a person she is, that sweetness has turned to be very bitter for the stability of not only the 17th Ward, but for the black agenda as a whole. That's the movement. Okay, Miss Sonia Perdue. That, 
That's the movement. That's the 17th Ward movement. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonya Cassandra Perdue, and that's Ron Carter, the future alderman of the 17th Ward. We're gonna, I want to ask you one more question because uh, I'm very appreciative of RAGE, R-A-G-E. They, uh, you use this word a lot, has set a template of what organizations should be doing in our community. RAGE is the... Resident Association of Greater Inglewood, and I hope I have that correct. I just want yes. you to briefly, Ron, you were with RAGE this past weekend. They hosted debates for uh, a number of wards in the southwest area. Can you tell us a little bit about RAGE and that debate this weekend? Well, one thing about it, you know, even I appreciate RAGE based on my background as a community organizer. You know, when I say community organizer, many people use that 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 term very loosely. Uh, Mayor Daly called himself a community organizer. Uh, so it's been used very loosely as a common term. But there is a special, uh, even to the point of universities are starting to teach courses on community organizing, but with rage, they have used and implemented that term exactly what it's supposed to be. They are a grassroots organization that's ran by community, that has been started by community, uh, their board and their structure. Uh, I was at a debate of theirs uh, last Saturday, and at this debate, I did have to thank them because they, of the 17th Ward, they were the only organization that had the guts to hold a, 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 a debate among the candidates in the 17th Ward in which it was the only debate. And that is because incumbents take advantage of the fact that they don't need to debate. So they hold that debate being accountable to the community. And not only that, they only been around since uh, last, I believe, October of or November. But they have used their togetherness, their insight to have a true representation of what community organizing is all about. So I appreciate them, and um, definitely I'm going to work with them as aldermen uh, to to help build and to support uh, one of their. Uh, points was that no elected official, the, the Inglewood area represents maybe about five or six um, aldermen. Not one of them have a office in the Inglewood area. So I made it my business. Uh, they asked the question, and I made the commitment upon being alderman of the 17th floor, I will have an office in the 17, in the Inglewood community, which right now we already have an office on 69th and Morgan. So when they asked that question of the candidates, uh, it made me feel good that we already met their request by having an office there. So there, and not only from the, the, the focus or the mission of RAGE, but the people are sincere. Uh, and that's one thing that drives our uh, our attention to them even more, the sincerity 
other organization uh, and its membership and its board members and its leaders. Very good people. So that's something that has been absent in Chicago for so long. Uh, it gives a new uh, breath of fresh development of community organizing uh, for Chicago. Do we have hello? Yes. So you're listening to that? I'm I'm here, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm right. here. So missed my cue, uh, didn't I? <laughs> well, we are we're glad to have it. Matter of fact, and uh, maybe if we are going to uh, uh, move on with the break or with our guests, uh, so that we can get into the organizing of contractors and what that's all about by someone that has definitely been a a a a key figure in addressing the uh, I guess the issues and the frustrations that we have when it comes to black contractors. Thank you, Mr. Carter. I'm on cue now. I was listening to you. I was actually listening. You're listening to Black Wall in USA? I was listening to you. <laughs> you listen to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, author of Black America, asking ourselves the tough questions. Our host is Mr. Ryan Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and the future alderman of the 17th Ward. Joining us, joining us later this evening will be candidate for mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be right back with our first guest, Mr. Omar Sharif, founder of the African-American Contractors Association, which is AACA. The tough, questions, the tough question this evening is, where are the construction jobs for our community? We want you to stay tuned and want you to be a part of all that we do in sustaining and increasing black businesses. We thank you so much for being with us this evening. But the reason for all this energy is because I feed off the power of faith, optimism, and positivity. And in case you didn't know it, the fun has started. And all efforts to maintain it cannot be done half-hearted. Now recognize, they say time flies when you're having fun. But I say, the more time you got for fun, the less time flies. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. Yeah, my mind made up. But the reason for this smile on my face and why I appreciate every breath is because I'm surrounded by a lot of love and respect. Plus, I realize the more we appreciate, the more we get back. And that's not theory, it's fact. But you want to know the real reason why I'm just grinning and cheesing? It's simply because I'm still breathing. The sun 
is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. Ain't nothing going to stop me from feeling this way. I'm feeling good. Ain't nothing wrong with a good thing. And I'm making history on this day. I'm feeling good. I've been rewarded with so much now that I've learned to appreciate. And I'm feeling good. A great day to be alive with this life never felt so great. But the real reason I'm excited is because I recognize negativity and know exactly how to fight it. Plus, it's by my conscience in which I am guided. I am way too blessed to be stressed. For me, nothing is impossible. I am too reluctant to succumb to the pressures of worldly obstacles. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing, the flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling my mind made up, ain't nothing going to stop me from feeling this way. I'm feeling good, ain't nothing wrong with a good thing, and I'm making history on this day. I'm feeling good, I've been rewarded with so much now that I've learned to appreciate, and I'm feeling good. A great day to be alive with this life, never felt so great. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue. Our host this evening is Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and candidate for Alderman of the 17th Ward. Mr. Carter's direct number is 312-624-8351. This is Black Wall Street USA and our call-in number, 347-326-9477. I'm going to repeat that. Our call-in number is 347 326 9477. Our chat room is open. Black Achievement, thank you for joining us tonight in the chat room. Leave your company information and website links in our chat room. That's how we connect. If you have a question or a comment, if you'd like to speak to our host or our guest, press the number one, and that's an indication to us that you want to be brought on the air. We'll say the last four digits of your telephone number, and you'll know that you're live with us. Joining us later this evening will be candidate for mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins, and we certainly look forward to that dialogue. Our first guest this evening is going to be Mr. Omar Sharif. And if I can, let's welcome our host back to the show. Welcome back to the show, Ron. I want to tell our listeners a little bit about the African-American Contractors Association before we bring Mr. Sharif on. The purpose of the African-American Contractors Association is to assist and help develop African-American contractors' businesses by creating fair business opportunities for African-American-owned contracting companies, particularly with the African-American community, private corporations, and municipal agencies. The purpose is also to facilitate developer and general contractor relationships that lead to contracting opportunities for AACA members, of course. We also sponsor business opportunity conferences for developers, general contractors, and corporations. The other purpose is to promote purchases of goods and services provided by African-American 
owned businesses. So AACA has been around quite a while, and we want to bring our guest on, Mr. Sharif. Welcome to the show. You're on the air with Black Wall Street USA. Uh, thanks a lot, son. I really appreciate it. Um, again, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to the uh, you know to the public about opportunity jobs contracts and also the lack of jobs and contracts that comes our way in our community. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, Omar, I think you and I uh, go back a ways. I believe that when I was. Um, doing community organizing in the Greater Roseland organization. That was down about in the uh, early 80s. Yes, the early 80s, because ACA has been around since 1989. Uh, we've been okay. around since 1989. started actually with three individuals in the community seeking job and parity in the three black districts. At that time, it was the first, second, and and 7th Congressional District, which was populated by African Americans. Mm-hmm. And so, it, grew, uh, it grew from 3 to 250 within two years, and then we grew from 250 all the way to 2,500 across the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the issue with uh, black contractors is basically not only a Chicago concern, but it no, seems not. Though the concern here in Chicago is the same in Washington, D.C., which is a majority black population, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, which is a majority black population, uh, Oakland, California is a majority or just about a majority black population, even in uh, Ben Harbor, Michigan, which is... 90% of black population, New York City, one-third black population. Most of the major cities, not most, but all of the major cities, they have a high concentration of a black population. All of them still have the issue of a single-digit uh representation as far as contract procurement with uh, government uh, agencies. Yeah, government agency as well private. Pardon? A government agency as well as private because what happened, Ron, is that the uh, private industry, private corporation, private um, uh, industry, what they do, they look at what the municipalities do and then they follow up behind them. So if they show bad behavior, that's how some of the corporations end up acting as a mirror to what the municipalities in those areas act. So is it, uh, you know, it's not, okay, then we're looking at three sectors regarding the the government sector, uh, the commercial sector, and the residential sector all have a low participation uh, or representation based on their population uh, with black contractors. Is there some type of uh, disease going on, or there's some type of illness, or there's some type? Of, what is the issue here? I mean, is it a lack well, of contractors you know, I, I, or is it racism? What is what's going on? Well, it, it's all of that, and I always say that it's like 
that, you know, everybody find gold in our ghettos but us, and we find poverty and drugs, you know, and it's like that our, you know, it's, it's almost like our leaders at the top of this white mountain, they, you know, they're, they're, they're numbified at, with Novocaine, and then they, like, give cocaine to the everyday person out here to the point that it takes them out of a maze to the point that somebody could be tearing up a street right in front of them where they could be making $28, $30 an hour, and they and they actually will move out the way. The, the Caucasian guy walk past and say, excuse me, you're in my way. We're getting ready to work here. They say, oh, my bad. Let me get out your way. You follow what I'm saying? So what happens is that they don't even understand the dollars that be leaving from out of their community right under their nose. And that's well, we, right now, when you say the leaders, now let's take for example, even if I can, um, and now what my understanding is here in Chicago, there are uh, approximately about five organizations that represent uh, black contractors. Are those the leaders that we are talking about, or who no, are we no, talking about when more, you say those no, leaders? No, no, I'm speaking more of the elected officials, Ron, that actually are selected or elected by the uh, voters of their area, districts, or their uh, ward, or what have you. In some areas uh, of uh, Illinois, they got councilmen. So I'm saying that these people now, are you selected. Willing to say, when you say these elected officials, can you associate it with them by name, or is that fair to do so? Well, I don't think I don't think it's quite fair to do so at this particular time. But I know that we have fought quite a few of them in our time for fairness and parity and equity in our community. So you know, I know that for a fact. We we can go on record to say that me as the founder, not me as the uh, new president, place, but me as the founder of the organization. I know personally that we had to fight quite a few of them in, in very different wars for job opportunity for our own people, and that should have been a no-brainer. It well, should have because been a no-brainer. that probably was not a no-brainer, how do you contribute the logic that you would have to fight black elected officials for uh, parity and equality and representation uh, for contracts, what is that? Now, do we put it on? And I'm gonna put it on two parts. You stated that it is the elected officials, but if I take it residential, we still have this number of residents or property owners, private property owners, with the attitude that I'm not gonna use no black contractors. So and the reason, you got and the two reason sides why, here. What, what, what are we the, looking the at? The reason why the reason why is that the community that sit in those wards are most likely a reflection of most most of the time of those elected officials. Okay. And so what they do, they basically go along and get along. And like for instance in, in the Chatham area it was a time that in Chatham, you could not come in this community of Chatham and not have African-American participation. It was known all over the country that it was one of the strongest communities out here in regards to making sure black folks, if you if you build a business here, it got to be with black folks. And then the work got to be with black folks. I've seen them in the community right there sit on 81st, 83rd, and, and King Drive, where uh, uh, Arab or something came over in that community, and Mr. Bernie uh, 
May God bless him. He's gone now. Bernie Washington told them, say, hey, we got some guidelines in our community that you got to abide by if you're going to expect us to go into your store and purchase your goods. And that guy didn't want to buy by them. And guess what? At the end of the day, that store wasn't there no more because of the fact that sex changes no robbery and you should help the community and you should, you should help the flower that you rob by putting some water back there so it can grow again and for it to nourish other people. But when you don't, you just have to grasp by the roots and take it up for it and never grow in your community again. And, and this, no, and this is why we put our arms around the black Wall Street, because we understand that. We were now, you have this, uh, you have this uh, I guess, this, uh, this policy that's coming from the federal government that you cannot uh, uh, count, uh, I think it came under Bill Clinton, don't be a bean counter to the point that the uh, minority set aside is, is, is based on minority that you cannot use the term black, Hispanic, Asian. You can use the term women. And I think that here in Chicago there was a reverse to the point that Asians wanted to be counted separate from minority. And it was overturned at one point that you cannot use the term Asian contractors uh, but then it got turned around that you can use Asian. But there is a number that you cannot be a bean counter and count blacks. Blacks must be a part of the term minority. Can you elaborate on that? I, actually, I think that you should, when it comes to fair parity across the board, you should be a bean counter. Because all the I'm stating the case correctly, first of all, am I stating that case correctly that the federal government has main, uh, uh, mandated the the municipal government that it cannot count blacks, that blacks have to be part of, of the minority? Is that the case? Yeah, that's fact? pretty much that's pretty much correct. That's pretty much correct because actually they even put white women into that same pool. Mm-hmm. And white so women could be a millionaire. Because yeah, see, the city of Chicago, I hear them making reports that we have exceeded our minority set-aside in the city and see, of Chicago. And that's the catch-all. See, that's the catch-all. So when you hear that, and, you know, we actually got some, I consider, uh, uh, people that's not learned or not intelligent enough to know they should not even be articulating, especially when they get 80 and 90 and 100% African-American in their ward. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to tell you, or you go up on the site, they tell you that we got all minority. And then you say, where are they? They don't look like me. They tell you we got a Hispanic or we have an Asian. Or you see uh, uh, three men working, and it's a white-owned business. Well, well you let start me, looking if at I tools. can, if I can just look at uh, Washington, D.C. Now, Washington, D.C. has a population of approximately 70% black, even though it's the national capital uh, and it's, the, uh, you know, it's Washington, D.C. But the, the residents have a 70% uh, population of blacks. 
But uh-huh. yet it was reported that blacks in the in the capital or the city of Washington D.C. they have something like a one percent blacks uh, part of the contract procurement. How is that possible? Are we not having blacks entering the construction field, or have no, blacks not given up on trying to no. get contracts with the city of Washington D.C.? I mean, how is that even possible? See, see, Ron, it's like this. It's like almost like, uh, you know, uh, one that's fighting a fight with a very inferior tool, okay? And what happens in instance that these contracts, it's not that they're not interested in the work and the business to, to do with those municipalities. The problem is that they got to go through all the nepotism and the cronyism that these major organizations and companies have uh, invested with some of our elected officials and other people. So when it comes down to us, uh, that can make it if we just if somebody just give us a try. We are overlooked because of the fact that you got these companies coming in and give truckloads of money and dollars and opportunities and gifts to these people, and they just overlook the fact, and, and they even go to the point of saying, we don't have no black contractors, we don't have no black business. Hell, you cannot say that when people have built their whole lives on business development and construction in the neighborhoods, in the community. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that uh, one time, I don't know if you still are, that you were teaching construction at the uh, Dawson Skills Center here in That's Chicago. That's right. I taught, I taught that same Now, course. is I there a – do you see that there are a lot of blacks or a fair representation of blacks that was enrolling in the uh, uh, the construction trade, or is there a decrease of uh, blacks enrolling and wanting to take part in the construction industry? Is it about the same, or is it less? I think, I, actually, when we was teaching Ron, I think it, it was it was a it was an overload. I'm saying we couldn't even finish the classes earlier enough when we was over at Malcolm X and moved over to Dawson, uh, quick enough before new new enrollers was coming in. And that was because of the fact that the program was people friendly, and we also related and put a real face on what their obstacles was going to be, and what the internal and external pitfalls may uh, come up to de- to deal with on a day to day basis. And we actually showed them how to get in business without paying a lot right. of money to attorneys and other people, and showing them how Where to. Where do we get this term companies. that I hear often? that um, black contractors don't do the job of uh, other ethnic groups come in and do the job and get the job done more efficient, and black uh, laborers and contractors don't. Where does that all come from, or is that a true accurate or? Oh, no, it's not, and that's a myth. And what it Mm -hmm. is, uh, Ron, is that if you go anywhere, you want to try to pick the best that you can pick, okay? But if you end up just picking someone and it don't work out, you you don't you don't just fall down. You just try to pick a better one. But so when when it comes to us, is that 
once we pick one African-American trade person, one African-American contractor, one African-American business, it don't work out for them, you don't doom the whole African-American race like we do. You, you Why do you think you, we do it, that? It, Why do you think that is, is done? I think, um, you know, I, actually I think it's, it's, it's a reflection of slavery and the fact that we're thinking that white folks' water is colder than our water, their ice is uh, colder than ours, and, and what they have is better than us, you know. And and we take on some of those uh, 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 images of our formal slave masters. I really, I now, really think that. When we feel look that. at the when we look at the future, uh, based on again, uh, well, I want to before I go into that question. Let me just saying this, Ron, is that when white folks mess up, you just go to another white folk. You don't go around trying to damn all white folks. You'll go mm-hmm. if, if if this grocery store don't work out, you'll go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Never now, yet I've seen somebody say, "Let me go build my own grocery store in my community for this to never happen to all people." Mm-hmm. We'll just go to the next one. All that right. drug store so, don't work out, we go to the next one. Car dealer don't work out, we go to the next one. But when so, the black man or the black woman mess up, oh, they the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a, um, uh, this is maybe about a year ago, as a newspaper reporter, we interviewed uh, Cook County President uh, uh, Todd. Uh, wow, it's so long ago. Why I forget was Todd's name? Todd, Todd, uh, Todd's Todd last Todd Shame on me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about Thomas Todd. Uh, pardon me. But, uh, he made a report maybe about a year and a half ago that he have increased the contract procurement at the county level from uh, something like 6% to 18% during his time as uh, uh, county president. Uh, can you uh, elaborate or know anything about those numbers? Uh, well, but I can't. You know- I actually I worked with him and uh the former president Bobby Steele on on those demos. We we put together she had a um executive team of people around the table on a weekly basis uh dealing with outreach and actually finding contractors and matching them up with GCs and other services. And actually, so when that report is in. actually that you know of that that report is actually accurate when he reported that he has increased the uh, uh, black contract procurement. I have to admit that in this uh, press conference, uh, they did make the uh, announcement that, uh, matter of fact, uh, Omar, I think you was in this meeting. I'm not Mm -hmm. for sure. But um, they made the report that I think I kind of pressed them, wanting to know, what is the black participation of contract procurement with the Cook County government? So upon pressing and pressing, they finally made the statement, yes, we have increased black contract procurement up to 18% from somewhere maybe about uh, some single-digit number. Uh, So what you're saying is that that is an actual fact that they did do that? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, I did ask them the question as well. Now, the thing, uh, the, the, the real picture going to be is that is new. How come do better. they're not? Pardon? I say the thing going to be is if the new all the uh, the new 
county board president-elect Tony Preckwin going to do better than that or going to do worse? See, that's that's going to be the uh, Keely Hill for her because the fact of the matter is that all eyes going to be on how she deals with this whole thing about contract and procurement for contractors because she was at one point an advocate for contractors, and now we're going to really see what, what that means. Well, uh, if I can backtrack on that, is it a point of wait and see, or is there a relationship to maintain and to increase what Todd has actually achieved? Well, right now I haven't seen. We're going to have to wait and see. I haven't seen or heard anything about that end of it. You know, I know well, she's putting that a kind person. of uh, uh, counterproductive to wait and see to the point that if she reports next year, uh, that the uh, black participation is uh, 12%? And if, well, uh, I, I, I uh, do know if, that if, she put a good person there, but I don't know if that person will be empowered to do anything other than be window dressing for the African-American community, you know, so I don't know. Okay, well, let's go to a caller if we can. Um, we have a, uh, a caller online, uh, Sonia. Yes, we do. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Purdue. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and the future alderman of the 17th Ward. Our guest this evening is Omar Sharif, founder of the African American Contractors Association. We are expecting our second guest this evening, who is the candidate for mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins. Let's go to our caller. Area code 301, you're on the air with Black Wall Street USA. Go ahead, please. Yes, thank you, Sonia. Uh, hello, Ron, and hello to your guest. This is Bob. How are you doing? And you are, uh, your name, and where are you calling from? Uh, Bob, calling from Washington, D.C., Metropolitan Oh, area. there you go. Matter of fact, oh, yeah. I kind of uh, talked about the numbers to uh, Omar earlier when I believe some time ago I asked you the question regarding uh, the contract procurement in Washington, D.C., and if I'm uh, correct, you kept saying that it was zero, and I kept asking you the question, what do you mean zero? And right. you finally said maybe 1%. Right, right. Yeah, 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 that, that, that's true, that's true. And uh, let me just say, uh, first, D.C. is about 57% African American. PG mm -hmm. County, which is neighboring to D.C., is Five percent African American, and there's a county south of PG County, Charles County, that is 43 percent African American. Uh, you add all those counties up together, you got about all those jurisdictions up together, uh, you got about uh, doo -doo 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 -doo, two million people. Okay, uh, there, there, there's, there's, there's no contracting going on among blacks, among Africans. Matter of fact, here's the point: we regressed since the days of Marion Barry. There's been a tremendous retreat on giving African Americans jobs and contracting. And blacks, to be honest with you, in this area, they don't care about contracting. They can't care about contracting. Why would you say that they don't care? Because the numbers are so abysmal. You, you can't tell me that you care when your numbers are less than a percent. <laughs> right. You can't tell me you care. I, 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 I'm not buying that. Uh, and let me just say this. Because I'm in the education, uh, I, w I would love to get in the, in the economic, but I'm really in education, and I'm sure the same issues apply. Here's the problem that I have, uh, uh, Mr. Sharif. Number one is getting together and coming up with indicators of progress. For example, 
in the U.S. economy, you know, the unemployment rate, the amount of lending, uh, 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 the, the consumer confidence rate, there are certain factors that let us know how well the economy is doing. When it comes to black people, if you want to make enemies, talk about how are the black people doing. Be it educational contracting, you're going to make some enemies for yourself. Why is it that we do not know, we do not have on a rolling basis key indicators to let us know that we are making substantial progress? Blacks do not, I don't, I don't, we, I mean, it, 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 it's been 40 years since the, the death of Dr. King. And I'm telling you, we in education, we have retreated. There is no progress being made, none. And it is difficult as heck to even to, to, to get the information. You've got to make multiple Freedom of Information Act requests. To even, and once you get the information, you're like, what? Nothing is going on in the field of contracting. What I know what happens in contracting in the D.C. area is that you will get a large student. African-American subcontractor will be doing good business, right? And the next thing you know, they sell out to the major general contractor. It's not to, to, to keep something substantive, something going on. They always sell out if they get too big. And the word is, here's the word, and I may be wrong, Mr. Sharif, but in a D.C. area, what they're saying is that uh, black men don't want to piss in a cup, okay? They don't want to piss in a cup. They don't want to get that drug test because it's not going to come back favorable. And that's why they don't hire them, they don't do the work, because those... Now, are you uh, speaking about laborers, or are you talking about contractors, the uh, uh, general no, contractors that want to piss in the cup, or are you talking about laborers that want to piss in the cup? I think he's probably talking about both now, Ron. He's kind of talking about both. Well, well that was... I mean, let me just... And I ended here. There was a... We built a new baseball stadium, okay? You had a black mayor, a black city councilman. Black folk had to beg and beg and beg to get laborer uh, work. Because they were preferring, look, man, it, it, the Hispanic is in, man. I, and I don't want to uh, uh, make it sound as if I'm anti, but I'm just telling you what I know. We have a, a major highway called the Beltway. You get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and you, ride, and you ride the Beltway. You will see three, four, five, six Hispanics in a pickup truck, in a paint truck, in a utility van, going to work. Right. You say you don't. You don't, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. You go on these major projects. We just built. We just spent almost ten billion dollars to build a, a, a expansion of a, a, a the Woodrow Wilson Bridge, an eight lane highway, ten lane highway. Excuse me. Um, blacks. They still won't tell you how much money blacks got. Very few dollars went to blacks. And me and you got. Well, uh, 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 when when the bridge was expanded. They created a new convention center in PG County, which I told you is 65% black. Blacks there didn't, didn't, don't get contracts to this day out there. Well, let me ask you, you know, you're definitely talking about the, uh, the issues and the frustrations that continues throughout many cities uh, in Chicago. Now, there is an organization, I believe it's the National Black Contractors Organization, is Omar, you've been in the field, and I, and I know that the ACA, the African American Contractors Association, is a regional organization with uh, different branches throughout the Chicago regional area. Uh, based on uh, Bob's um, uh, uh, assessment, 
of what is happening in D.C., there is a reflection of the same frustrations in other cities as well. From a national perspective of what you see, does it seem as though that there needs to be more of a national effort of accountability as he state of a measurement of uh, an assessment of what is going on here. Uh, so how do we uh, address this? Um, and it seems as though we have been addressing this year after year after year and coming up with the same frustration of results. How do we have an impact on this? Well, I think we're going to have to um, bring all the African-American leaders into the room. Uh, there is an organization called the National Minority Contract Association got a building right in D.C. on the corner. Um, but they really don't deal with the grassroots part of what Well, when you uh, say your, minority, your, uh, does that mean that this particular organization is representing all ethnic groups when they call themselves minority, or is well, it a, they, a they black actually, group that's using the term minority? They, it actually is a black. It, it was. It started out to be a black group, and I think that the new national president is Hispanic. But they they always they they originally started as the uh, national minority contractor. They up in Milwaukee where we at. They're in uh, L.A. Um, they 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 uh, was trying to come to Rockford. They never got to Rockford. Because uh, we was there pretty strong, uh, but they and they not in Chicago because we have so many active groups here in Chicago, so it wouldn't be a fit for them. But they are they their headquarters, their national headquarters, is right there in D.C. I used to meet. Okay, well then, what's the impact? How are you? You said bring them together. Haven't that been thought of already to bring them together, or it hasn't been thought of? To bring them well, Ron, I was thinking that we should bring all the black uh, contractors group together. Down in San Diego, uh, you got um, a brother out in San Diego does well working with Jim Brown with the ex-offenders. Uh, you got uh, another brother out in uh, Texas. Okay, bring them together to do what? What, what, to what, what are they to this, do? To have this are they going to have the same frustrating conversations that continue? But what can they do? Coming together. Well, I think if we if we bring them together, we can be able to discuss some of the the defaults and some of the internal and external issues that we. But don't have we know them. those though, uh, Omar? Don't we know those oh, yeah. internal frustrations and faults? But what happens, Ron, is that we don't like the brother that called in. What he do? Yeah, Bob. He called in. Yeah, he called in told you what some of the concerns are, kept it 100 with you, but the problem of the fact is that there's no solution there. You follow me? So if your organization or you as an individual not helping solve the problem, sometimes you got to look, you may be the problem because the first step of uh, accomplishing any goal is you taking the first step. So you got to be proactive. See, we get out there and talk with the ex-offenders. We get out there into the community. We go into the project. We help develop some of them. We, we explain to them what it means to, 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 to piss in the cup, as he said, we are, to have clean pee. So we understand that. But some of us mm -hmm. don't understand the value of it. 
And some of us don't pick it like we pick good grapes and good fruits and good suits and good shirts and good ties. And that's the same way you have to pick some uh, people when you're talking about trying to build that image for they can understand that these are the type of people that we need when we deal with these projects and jobs in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, that's just the real deal of it. I deal with that all so, the time. I, I lay my whole life on the land dealing with it. So do you think that uh, a, a coming together of these organizations uh, do it needs to be some type of uh, outline of how they can pursue their uh, many agendas? Uh, and again, I, I would think that these agendas are on on the uh, public sector, the private sector, and the, and the uh, residential sector. Yes, or right. Black are we looking at commercial? Pardon? No, I think it should it should be from the the bottom on up. What what do you call the bottom up? Well, what does that mean? I mean I mean the neighborhoods, the strip malls, the community, and the downtown commercial industry. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of money in our communities from door to door. That's actually how mm-hmm. I started. I started with one hundred dollars in the community going door to door, but I had the tenacity, and you couldn't tell me that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Are you speaking of when you started in the construction industry? Yes, sir. When I started in the construction industry, that's right. I went to door to door. Now there are uh, there are some, and I saw uh, Polish there, Polish guys there. I saw Hispanic people there, but it didn't discourage me mm-hmm. because I knew it was now, people out there that wanted people that looked like me to work for them. Now we had a conversation earlier this uh, week. Uh, we talked about a, a Black Wall Street initiative calling for parity of the automatic menu. Uh, there's been some discussion. We had some, uh, uh, by the way, we're, uh, just for a note that we have some technical difficulty with our uh, uh, radio program. That means that we may, it may just be you and I throughout the program, Omar. Uh, is Bob, are you still with us? Okay, I think yeah, it may just be, yeah, it just may be you and I, uh, Omar, based on some uh, technical difficulties that we have. Uh, with that in mind, are you looking at some type of uh, uh, when we talk about this parity that Black Wall Street Chicago with its subsidiary black contractors in the neighborhood? As a matter of fact, as a footnote, uh, if you recall, uh, Omar, we was talking about black contractors in the neighborhood back in the early '80s, sometime Maybe early '80s, early yet. '80s, and I thought it was the most brilliant idea in the world because of the fact that black folks got to understand if we don't use our own people, we're going to lose them. We're going to mm-hmm. lose them to drugs and crime, and then we're going to be buying all this elaborate equipment because of the fact that they're going to end up wanting to come in there where you at because of the fact they ain't making no money. So why not have them working in your community? Why not have them work, working on your property? Well, we have uh, looked at this uh proposed new legislation, uh, and I can admit that it's somewhat kind of hiding the fact to say black, where we're using the term parity based on racial population of a ward. 
given the fact that if there's a one particular ward uh, district for those that are our national listeners uh, that is 95% black, that the contracts that are awarded to that particular ward, there are 95% uh, black contractors based on its racial population. Uh, uh, so what's your uh, uh, feeling of that? There have been some questions that uh, having such a, a, a legislation or something put in place that that may open the doors to uh, have some elected officials to be corrupt based on their having the uh, control of the contracts that are awarded to their ward. And then hell, hell, if they if, if if they corrupt if they gonna get corrupt then they was corrupt when you brought it to them. Mm-hmm. So you, okay. you know, and and if and, and we got a better shot at it because we can monitor the project because we'll see them tearing up all streets right in front of us. We'll see them uh, mm. uh we'll see them doing the street excavation or the landscaping and the facade as well as just uh, streetscaping or uh, laying the cement down in our community. So we can at least monitor because, see, all well, we there were three. There's basically uh, three and a half mayoral candidates have endorsed the concept. Uh, William Duckwall, um, um, uh, Emmanuel, Rahm Emanuel, um, uh, Gary Chico, halfway, and then also Carol Mosey Braun has made she an did another half. Of huh? Pardon? I said yeah. she did so, the other half. Correct. So, but with that in mind, maybe these, uh, and then there have been uh, seven, uh, I'm sorry, five present incumbents. That have endorsed the uh, the project, and then there were I mean not the, the proposed legislation, and then there's been maybe about 15 automatic candidates has endorsed the concept. Now, given that this here is an election time in Chicago, and whether they endorse the project because it's election time, or they endorse the project because it's a sound project. What is the likelihood that you think a parity legislation where the aldermen will have contract procurement control is likely to pass through city council and the city government will give up that control? Well, the only only part I, I fear, Ron, is that um, the people that you're saying that's on board, most of them probably won't be elected, okay, I'm assuming. Okay, and if they are, are, I think it will get done very quickly. But in light Mm -hmm. of saying that they won't be elected, we need to bring that fight also to the ones that are presently sitting in the seat right now. Or we can simply wait and see within the next uh, week this time. We'll know who actually are in and who's out pretty much. Right. Okay, well, hold on for a moment with us uh, so we can have some closing for uh, words for you. We're going to take this break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. 
and author of Black America Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions. We're on the air tonight with Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and candidate for Alderman of the 17th Ward. Our guest is Mr. Omar Sharif, founder of the African American Contractors Association. We would like for you to stay on the line, Mr. Sharif. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and go to our phone lines. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. We're expecting the candidate for mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins, to join us this evening. We hope that you will be a stay with us and be a part of what we do in sustaining and increasing black businesses. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a people problem. That's you people. and me. But we could solve this confusion if we tried instead of shooting. Plus, there's no excuse when we have mouths that could use them for apologizing and acknowledging fault instead of falsely accusing, making threats, shouting, and verbally abusing. You see, we could blame race because it's easy and it's legal, but the one common denominator, people, is people. It's a people problem. Because no drug can manufacture and ship itself. 
And the problem is not, I said not the internet. The problem is people who neglect priorities and lack self-respect. And if it wasn't for people, there would be no war. Guns and knives are not killers. People are. USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue. We're here this evening with our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and candidate for Alderman of the 17th Ward. Our guest for the first part of this show has been Mr. Omar Sharif, founder of the African American Association for Contractors, African American Contractors Association. That's AACA. And we appreciate you, Mr. Sharif. We want you to stay with us because we do want you to give us some closing remarks about what's going on in the construction industry, not only in Chicago, but across this land. Black Wall Street Chicago is on the air every Thursday evening right here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash CBBN. You can listen to all our shows and archives right here, or you can listen to our rebroadcast on Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on WJPCChicago.com. That's WJPCChicago.com. Our caller number this evening is 347-326-9477. Our call in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That's how we connect. If you'd like to speak to our host or one of our guests, press the number one. That's an indication that you would like us to bring you on the line. Let's bring the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago back on the air. And our guest for the evening is on, is on, the, on the line with us, Ron. Welcome to the show. Candidate for Mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here, Sonia. Well, it's our pleasure to have you on. Uh, I have to admit, just like the city of Chicago as a whole, this here is a very special election uh, to the point that uh, many Chicagos have thought that uh, Chicago would never come to a point where they would have had another choice uh, other than Mayor Daley and, uh, in a municipal election. So it seems as though Chicago is, is it going to have a new direction or a new meaning, or are we getting ready to change the culture of Chicago, or are we going to stay the same in Chicago with its uh, cloud of having the term the windy city or the machine politics and 
and, and go back to the term of when people think of Chicago, they think of Al Capone, then they start thinking about Harold Washington, now they're back thinking about the Mayor Daley. Are we going to have another idol of Chicago, and uh, are you going to be that idol that people from around the world will look at Chicago? Mm. Interesting. Very interesting question. (laughs) And loaded, too, on top of it. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, you know what? So, I, is, it, I, is, it, is it? I mean, what is it? Um, what is it about for you? I mean, upon you, uh, naturally, there's many questions based on um, the, the politics and uh, the black representation. Sometimes have uh, more meaning than the issues. Mm-hmm. How do you assess the, the the climate of Chicago? And even though uh, the former mayor, well, he's not former yet, uh, carried a deficit every year of uh, of $500 million, that has not even been the concern more than the personality opposed to the issues. Uh, How are you going to handle that upon, you know, being the mayor of the city of Chicago? Well, number one, uh, Ron, I am a certified public accountant, and I have a Ph.D. in management, and I've worked for years to improve the lives of Chicago families. And I I grew our organization that I run, Target Area Corporation, from uh, birth to $3 million a year budget, and we uh, balance our budget every year. The city has gotten away with uh, manipulating the numbers in the budget to to make everything seem okay as they continue to do business as usual. That's why we have to break the mold. We cannot allow the culture that has existed in the past to continue because no community has paid more for this system of government that we have right now, the operation of this government. No community has paid more than the black community, nobody. Every community in this city has grown and developed and prospered under under this mayor's regime over the last 20 years, except the black community. And I just feel like we have paid enough. The price has been too high, and that it's time for us to take control and change the way this city is operating. And that doesn't mean that somebody has to be black, to be the mayor has to be black. That's not what that necessarily means to me. But what it means is that the people of this city have got to stand up and demand that we get our rightful share of, of the resources. We're not asking for anything well, now, special. Well, if I may, extra. Um, uh, if well, let I'm me just uh, finish. Let me just finish, Ron. Mm-hmm. We're not asking for anything extra or special. We're asking, we're demanding our fair share of resources when that comes to contracts, jobs, services, and resources in this city. Now, when you use the term demand, you know, that's a strong, that means that, uh, you know, in my days of organizing, when we use the term demand, that means do it or else. Mm -hmm. So how are you (laughs) emphasizing the word demand? Just like you said, do it or else. And I'm not saying that my voice is enough to do that. I'm running for mayor because I'm ready to do it. I am ready to empower our communities. I'm ready to be sure we get our fair share of resources. I'm ready to uh, to restore the black community. I'm ready to do that. So, But, you know, what I'm saying is that the residents have to be ready to do it. The black residents have to be ready to do it. Even though we lost well, there a lot is of- a normal. There is a normal term that when uh, – 
the black community, no matter what part of the country they are, when they uh, fight, uh, you know, I'm a journalist, so I use the term in third person a lot, okay. Uh, okay. is that when they use the uh, uh, take a position on an issue, it normally benefits the majority in which some other ethnic groups cannot understand that. You know, when we stand for civil rights, it says it's a black issue, but that civil rights stand represents all ethnic groups. How do you get non-blacks to understand that term when we stand for uh, black issues? Well, I've worked, I've built multi-ethnic coalitions around criminal justice reform, around education reform, and human rights. I've run coalitions that have passed, that have developed legislative proposals that have become law in the state of Illinois. Uh, and we've, I've done training for other groups around the state, and even in uh, South Africa, I've done trainings down there. Uh, so the goal, the, the, the way you get other ethnicities to join in to this type of um, this type of process is to talk about it as, you know, you can talk about it as a black issue, but you also have to be able to talk about it in their language as well. So when I talk about improving... Okay, well, what, what is their language? I mean, what is well, their language? Get, Give I'm, me an ethnic... Well, well, so let's take Caucasians, for example. What is their language to understand uh, when you talk in terms of, if I can use the term, a black agenda? How is that a language that uh, Caucasians can understand. You have to talk about it in economic terms. You have to talk mm-hmm. about it by like it's two, it's eleven thousand nonviolent drug offenders in prison right now. It's costing the state two hundred and forty-nine million dollars a year. These eleven thousand nonviolent drug offenders are now living with murderers, murderers, rapists, arsonists, and thieves, and they're learning new skills. They're coming back home to our neighborhood in less than a year with less resources and opportunities than they had when they left. That same 11,000, over half will go back into prison, and you will, again, cover all their food, clothes, and health and housing for another year while they spend more time with murderers and thieves and arsonists. And if we want to continue to spend that kind of money on that kind of uh, uh, service, then, you know, that's on us. But if we're ready to make sure that our dollars are going to be rebuilding our roads, strengthening our schools, supporting our social service network, then we need to change the way we're approaching these challenges. Mm-hmm. Like now, that. And when I talk to Latinos, I talk to them about how we have been incarcerated to the ground. And they say, well, that's a black problem. I say, well, there's only so many of us. Who got next? You tell me who got next. Who's the next population to catch this? It's got to be you because ain't nobody else around. Okay. Now, there is the... Uh, the talk around town within the black community of a confusion of the same uh, as it was in the last mayoral election, that I think there were three uh, black candidates. Given that the uh, the black population, if, you know, just taking the term that a lot of times that in municipal elections in Chicago, there is a vote. Uh, on racial lines and that the black community at this point, if we use racial lines, is my understanding is approximately about 100, I mean, I'm sorry, 650,000 registered black voters, which is higher than any other ethnic group. 
But the concern, as it was in the last municipal election, is that um, why can't we have one candidate? Uh, given the last election, uh, even those combined black candidates was not able to do better than the uh, the present mayor. What will be the, the turning point, given that this election is maybe about, what is it, four days away? Mm-hmm. I mean, so what can we expect, even with the frustration of many stating that how come we can't have one black elected, uh, one black candidate? Is that necessary? Can there still be a win? Is there going to be division? I know I'm loading in with some questions, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm pretty sure uh, you have heard these type of um, uh, concerns throughout your campaign. Yeah, well, I I talked to them, but when I talked to people about that that particular issue, I, you know, I just raised what you did. Uh, when we had two black candidates in the race the last election, together they got about 29 or 30 percent of the vote, and Mayor Daley still got 70 percent of the vote. So it's not about black black folks are proving it. It doesn't matter them what color a person is. They're trying to figure out who's going to put who's going to put them in the best light. And a lot of things that have come out in the last four years about what Daley was doing. It's just coming to the light now uh, that have been hidden uh, in the past. And I think what's gonna, what it's going to take, Ron, is for us to pay a price that's so high that we know that we have to change. And I think that's the only reason why we got a black president now is because the price so, was so high for so many people that people were just willing to try something different. I think that's what it's going to take uh, right. It's going to take now in Chicago too, in order for us to uh, really get a candidate that's 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 uh, reflecting our ideas and visions. I still haven't thrown in the towel. I believe that that it's still possible to push through and get us a uh, get in a, get us a runoff and uh, be able to be um, a voice in that runoff process that helps to amplify the the, uh, the challenges and the issues. Uh, that that the black community is struggling with. Um, I don't now, I don't make any say, I don't make any apologies for that. Now, when you look at there's a chance of a runoff. Uh, what are you projecting here when you use the term that you believe that there's a chance for a, a runoff? Is there some type of projection of what you feel that is going to happen on February the twenty second? It's going to be up to people, but there are more than. You know, in the last municipal election, we had about 350,000 people vote. That means only like 30% of the people voted. And Mm -hmm. this election, when when every time they are, when they they do the polls, they're polling likely voters. So they're polling people who have voted in the last election, the last two elections probably. And uh, so so I would think that uh, that means the, the city election, and in, the, and in the last governor's uh, state election that we just had, state and county, um, there are a lot of people out here who did not vote in the city election. And there are a lot of people out here who did not vote in the governor's election that did vote when Obama ran. So mm-hmm. there are people that are registered and can vote. Now, whether they vote or not, you know, Ron, your guess is as good as mine. I'm hoping they vote. Because I know if well, are, you, we have, are you projecting that no one would get 51% in, absolutely. Uh, on Tuesday? Absolutely, I'm projecting that. Because we don't have any reason to think anything different. The only poll that came out that said that Rahm Emanuel would hit 58% was a poll that was done by, it was called, America Speaks did it, 
but uh, it was uh, funded by the Illinois Retail, I mean the Chicago Retail Merchants Association. That's just the corporate people downtown. And if you read that poll closely, you see that it was a, they, they accounted for a hundred percent of the people who voted. Now, how do you get a hundred percent of the people to make a choice? You're going to have some people that says undecided, or I'm not ready to make a decision now, or you know, I'm, you know, they're going to have you have some people like that. When you read down in that poll, it says they did not allow people to be not not decided. So they left out all the undecided people. People who said they were undecided, they didn't count them. Now, let's look at, um, uh, this is um, So, you know, that skews uh, the numbers up, you know, right? Right. That's going to skew the numbers now, when, you're not, when you're not allowing the undecided to be recognized. Now, I'm going to switch it to, uh, this is uh, Chicago's Black Business Network, uh, Black Wall Street talk show host. And our objective is to sustain and increase black businesses. Uh, there was an initiative that we have put out there. I'm not for sure if you're familiar with this initiative, which called for the uh, the automatic menu to have parity based on its racial population, which gave the alderman control of the contract procurement of that $1.3 million of capital improvement funds, opposed to they directing the, the which project is going to happen in the ward, but they still have the city government to do the contract procurement. So the legislation is calling for that contract procurement to be under the jurisdiction of each alderman if they so choose to have that administrative responsibility. Uh, would you support such an initiative and your comments regarding yes or no? I would, I would definitely support it. Um, but let me just add this, that I believe that most aldermen would not want that responsibility because then people can hold them accountable. I think new aldermen may want it because they'll say, look, here's a chance for us to do something right. But um, the aldermen that are connected are already getting what they want, and they haven't defended mm -hmm. us. They have not defended us. They have not defended their own people. And so putting them in a position to then have to dole out a million dollars each every year means that they have mm -hmm. to come to, come to uh, face to face with the fact that not only have they not protected us, but when they did have access to money, they still didn't give it to us. Well, there are five uh, aldermen uh, that have supported this initiative. Uh, and the second ward is Alderman Fioretti. The third ward is Alderman uh, Pat Dow. Uh, and the 20th ward uh, is uh, Willie Cochran, um, uh, Ms. Uh, Harris in the uh, eighth ward, mm -hmm. and Alderman uh, Austin have alluded to supporting it, and I believe there's one other one. And then there were 15 automatic candidates that support the initiative. Um, do you see that type of initiative uh, that it can be managed? Uh, and then there was the question that that is creating a a a, a bureaucracy of a extra financial burden of administering such a contract procurement? Well, I think that if you look at who you who voted, who's telling you they want to support it, I mean the ones that are giving you their wholehearted support, these are all progressive, um, 
These are all progressive um, uh, aldermen who have been doing a lot of work in their own neighborhoods, the kind that probably would like to be in control of that kind of money and and, and bring that bring those resources to the neighborhood and in a way and to the people who they feel are, they should get it. But you know, it's it's such a great idea, Ron, that it would seem that anybody, any alderman. Uh, would jump on that idea and, and immediately want to embrace it. But they, the reason why they're not doing it is because they realize then they will be able to be held accountable. And most of them are now, not used to that. Okay. Now, with, again, I'm not for sure if you're that abreast of uh, Black Wall Street. Are you to a point? I have, I have some knowledge of Black Wall Street. I've heard a lot okay, about well, it. Black Wall Street, just as another initiative, has proposed uh, they have, uh, well, me and my journalism, I'm the chairman of Black Wall Street. I keep saying they. <laughs> However, we have uh, proposed uh, and have identified uh, 14 Black Wall Street districts in Chicago, okay. Chicago land, which includes Gary, Indiana, and Peoria, Illinois. Uh, so these Black Wall Street districts are on 75th Street, Madison Street, 79th Street, Stony Island, uh, 79th Street West, 79th Street East, uh, 69th Street, 43rd Street, so these are black Wall Street districts with the concept uh, similar to Chinatown, uh, Greek Town, Korean Town, Little Village, and things of that nature. How do you feel being mayor to support such a, uh, a concept of black Wall Street districts uh, in Chicago? And so what's your thoughts on that? And this means to support and to build black businesses um, such as the template of Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very, very important for uh, that that type of uh, uh, project is supported by the mayor, and I'm definitely committed to it. I think that it's a, the city's job, the government's job to to provide positive interventions when they see that things are going terribly wrong. And we see that things have gone terribly wrong in our communities. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a block off Madison Street. I live on the west side, and I work out here on 79th and Ashland. So, you know, I'm seeing these things myself firsthand, how that there are very few, if any, I probably can count them on my hands, the black uh, businesses that are along these strips that you're talking about. Uh, okay, would well, you mind taking a call from one of our callers? Uh, no, I don't mind at all. Okay, um, uh, Sonia? You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue. Our host this evening is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and candidate for Alderman of the 17th Ward. I guess we're honored to have candidate for mayor, Dr. Patricia Watkins. We thank you for taking the time to be with us this evening. Just let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to area code 773, last four digits, eight. Eight four nine. You on the air with Black Wall Street USA? May we have your question or comment, please? Thank you, Sonia, and thank you um, for this forum. This is Asia Butler. I had um, recently met Ron Carter and was asked to be on the show. He did a, a great job at our forum with Rage, the Resident Association of Greater Inglewood. Oh wow! How are you? I'm good, thank you. So I 
definitely wanted to call in. I was listening. It's been a great show, and I just want to say hello to um, Patricia, Dr. Patricia Watkins as well. It's hello. been a great conversation listening to you guys dialogue. Thank you. You have a question yes. for uh, uh, Dr. Watkins or any of the comments that we made here? Um, I guess it's kind of along the lines. I, I was listening to what you were saying about the Black Wall Street and uh, as we are working in Rage and, and doing some things around the TIF. I um, love your name, I, Rage. Okay. <laughs> I love that name. You better believe you're going to get some attention with that name. I, even, even, even me as a community organizer got kind of scared when I heard the term. I said, what? <laughs> okay, yeah, coming ahead. out of Inglewood, too, saying rage. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they, um, we're getting, you know, mixed reviews about our name. Some people love it and some people think that it you know it 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 has a hostile tone but it Hello. does mean the resident association of greater inglewood so we we are okay. not hostile people uh, but we but we are um involved in our community and we have identified other assets and residents and we're working together kind of doing exactly what we've heard a lot of people talk about which is this bottom up concept mm-hmm. um we are we recently was approved for a TIF, uh, 57th and Wentworth, which will run from um, really some parts of Chatham all the way to 69th and Ashland. And, you know, we really are excited and want to be involved in the process. And I was just going to ask Dr. Patricia Watkins, as mayor, um, if you were elected mayor, how would you assure that residents are involved in the TIF district and what would be your plan to um, just make sure it's more of a um, a joint collaborative effort in building and redeveloping our, our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Well, I, I would uh, definitely support community people being a part of the decision making in in the TIF uh, creating TIFs, not only creating TIFs but also deciding how the money is spent. So one of the problems we have in Chicago is that the TIF district. Uh, situation has been shrouded in darkness. Nobody really knows how it works, who gets money, who can get money, and why. One of the first things I want to do is open up the process to bring in community people, researchers, uh, experts, business people, and just look at the law. And uh, lawyers, and look at the law, and, and let's define what the law says. Because if, if you hear these candidates speaking in these last couple of months, they've come up with all kinds of things you could use that money for. And in the past, we were told it can only be used for a couple of things, a few, you know, just really infrastructure and, and support for um, for the new businesses coming in. And then they said a little bit about job development and things like that, but we haven't seen that money come out uh, of our TIFs because we have a TIF here on 79th Street. So uh, part of it is first uh, uh, raising awareness about what the money is for. We want to do, I want to do a comprehensive process where everybody's voice counts, and we let's define what the money can be spent for. Once we get that list out of what can be it can be spent for, then we need to engage communities in in deciding how the, how best to use the money that they have because we have limited dollars. So how is it? What's the best way for us to use money? Uh, use the money. If you got a big hole in the middle of your of the neighborhood and people are falling in and dying, the last thing you need to do is take the money and, and build a post office. You know, you need to fix that hole. So we need to we need to look at what is most important to residents in that area and how best to use that money. And part of that is just transparency. First, uh, getting a comprehensive uh, explanation of how it can be used, and then transparency in the process of using the money and rep- and real time reporting on how the money is spent. And that means that we don't report a year later saying, well, last year we approved using this money for for you know to fix the big hole, and you don't find out about it until a year later. 
we need real-time reporting, which means the reporting happens at the time when, it, when, when decisions are made. Well, then let me ask you on this on this tip. Uh, now, the Inglewood is part of the West Chatham tip. So that, that's correct. I'm talking to Chatham and Inglewood right. uh, is sharing the same tip. Now, right. It lies that, within the sixth ward, which covers, yes, Chatham as well as Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Now, given that the the economics are slightly different from Inglewood and Chatham, how is it that a priority can be given understanding that the TIF is to be designated for blighted areas, per se? Uh, and if Chatham has been known as a one of the most stable black um, communities opposed to the disenfranchise of Inglewood, how can, and neither both of you can answer this question, how can that be balanced of using that TIF money uh, from two different communities that are somewhat uh, separate in their economic uh, stability? Well, the money that's drawn down, it comes from a specific community. I mean, the, the tax base that they're using to uh, build up the TIF comes from a specific community, so we could do it based on the money that they actually uh, have, uh, have, the money they've grown from that community. That's one way of doing it, you know, dollar-wise. Another way of doing it is to uh, bring people together to make a plan for um, the, the entire area and vote mm-hmm. on it. Does that mean that bringing uh, residents of 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 Chatham and residents yeah. of Inglewood at the same people. table to decide how the money is to be used? Uh, bringing them together to plan, uh, make a plan. And, you know, let me give you an example. When we did 79th Street, the hostel to Ashland, we, one of the things that people were saying, we want to have a, you know, uh, we want to have a Kmart on 79th Street. We want to have a hardware on 79th Street. Well, when we did the feasibility study, we found that we already had hardware a block on one block uh, west of 79th Street, uh, west of Ashland on 79th Street, and that our, our uh, lots, our um our lots were not deep enough to hold all mm. the Kmart and things like that. So part of the feasibility study, what it does is help you understand what's available, what can happen, and and and, act, and give you different scenarios. So the planning process is a collective process where all you know both communities can participate in. That's one way of doing it. Like I said, once you do the plan, then from that you draw the money down based on your plan. And uh, so it's not like you got we got. Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. We trying to figure out how to divide it up. It's not like that. Well, we're, we're getting closer to uh, the wind up on the show. Um, I definitely thank um, uh, Rage again for giving the only um, debate, automatic debate in the seventeenth ward. If it wasn't right. for that, there would not have been one. And mm. I have to admit that the. Uh, the community organizations of the 17th Ward south of Inglewood has been uh, actually told don't hold no debates. So the mm-hmm. independence of rage is very much appreciated. Yes. Uh, giving the, and we're closing, uh, Omar, are you still on the line with us? Okay, I think he, he's kind of uh, gone. Um, then, one thing that we have uh, done here at Black Wall Street, and sometimes Black Wall Street has bogarted communities 
with our Black Wall Street concept in which we somewhat kind of took on that role with uh, 69th Street, if you, mm. if I may, uh, uh, talking to the, to the RAGE organization. And that's the same way we have done with the 79th and, uh, and hosted based on the historical uh, uh, capital theater that um, uh, Senator Roland Burrs has identified uh, for 79th Street. How do we actually move forward? And, Dr. Watkins, would you take a position of moving on a press conference uh, speaking of the parity legislation and the Black Wall Street District prior to Tuesday? Um, I don't know if I would be in a position to do that prior to Tuesday, uh, simply because, for one thing, time constraints. And number two, we have to also uh, think about what are the aldermen and the rest of the um, the aldermen uh, and the community members want. Uh, as you said, mm-hmm. you know, bogarting areas, I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to spur development. You're trying to change mindsets. But to, you know, just for for a mayoral candidate to come out and speak in support of it, it would be stepping in front of community members, and that's not something I think that should be done right now. Mm-hmm. So because communities uh, have to, uh, you're they have to embrace it themselves. Like you're, you're not going to be a, a mayor daily by bogarting, uh, <laughs> say, the uh, the near south side and the near west side, as that was somewhat bogart, as we indicate that being the new White Wall Street of Chicago. Mm-hmm. How do the black community move forward in respect to uh, the boundaries of community organization versus a black agenda. Uh, you know, I think we need to stop looking at these imaginary boundaries that they set up for us because, you know, other cities, other big cities are not hyper-segregated like Chicago is. You know, you got you got lines where you just don't go beyond this line or lines you don't go beyond that line. I think we need to think about how do we benefit the city as a whole. We know the black community has suffered under this regime and that it's time for restoration for the black community. We know that. And so I think part of it is people seeing that, that they, a plan exists. And, and the easiest way to get a plan that makes sense is to partner with the Department of Planning and Development and go through the feasibility process, go through the planning process. It takes time, but it, it gets you to a point where you can, you can actually, uh, um, you know, imagine what could be not you know, not what, not anything that we would want to be there, but what can be there, and um, and how we might be able to spend money to to, to fund it. Right. So, well, uh, we have a couple of minutes uh, left in the program, uh, Dr. Watkins. I definitely would like for you to give some uh, closing remarks uh, before we end, and definitely we will want to uh, engage with you uh, to have that working relationship not only as becoming the mayor of the city of Chicago, but as a concerned citizen that you are as well. Uh, Can you give us some closing remarks, please? Yes, I can. Uh, First of all, I just want to say I'm proud of Rage. I'm really proud of you. You did the... Uh, you did the candidate forum, and you know, that's something a lot of groups don't have the guts to do, wouldn't have the guts to do, because they're, you know, like uh, Ron was saying, told not to do it, uh, but you did it anyway, and that's great because if we need, if, you know, our, our, it's an old saying that said, in order for evil to prevail, good men must say nothing. 
So if we can be silenced, then we can we know that we would never get any good because evil is always going to prevail. So I'm proud of you for stepping out and Ron for for daring to even come up with the concept of a Black Wall Street. I mean that is dynamic, dynamic because you know so many people are scrounging around for for crumbs when the whole city is is laid out and there and available. So I'm very proud of uh, what you're doing and how you're pushing. And as, uh, if I'm privileged to become the next mayor, I would definitely be willing to support many of the ideas that I've heard from you. I think they're the right ideas, and this is the right time for it. Um, and so, but let me just close out by saying, you know, I'm Dr. Patricia Van Pelt Watkins. I am committed to championing the the, the voices and the, and, the, and the challenges that the people of Chicago are uh, struggling with. And I'm willing and very much committed to bringing a parity across the board and ensuring that all communities are treated equally and that they have access uh, have a- access to, to uh, justice and that communities are not uh, under siege by drug dealers or by police um, and that we can restore our communities um, together and that we can get the resources that we need to improve our communities. I'm willing and very committed to doing that, and that's the reason why I'm running for mayor, because to me there are some very simple solutions that can be implemented right now to improve our lives a hundredfold, and those those simple solutions are being ignored. I'm running for mayor because well, I I'm look the, forward to right. I look forward to meeting you and your your, your uh, team of uh, workers on the streets uh, in the 17th Ward, bumping into you as we. Uh, uh, head up to the uh, Tuesday, and I'm going to be looking forward to being on that city council floor. And so, are you saying that I'm going to see you on that city council floor as well? I'm. I am believing without a shadow of a doubt that I will be on that floor. Um, my number okay. is seven. My number is seven. It's simple, and it's 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 a very good number. You can just punch seven for Dr. Patricia Van Pelt Watkins. And let's get the kind of change we all deserve in Chicago. Well, thank you again for being on our show and this what real number, Ron? broadcast. Ron, what's your number? Uh, th- pardon? What is your number? Your punch number? Uh, three one two six two four eight three five one. And Sonia, you will uh, make that note that we will be rebroadcasting uh, Saturday at uh, nine thirty. Uh, and we definitely want to thank Rage. I want to see their membership uh, in the 17th Ward as we uh, heat it up uh, for Tuesday. So, Miss Sonia Purdue, did I give you any time to talk? You gave me 60 seconds, Ron. Wow. So thank you. <laughs> we, want to, we want to thank uh, Rage for joining us. We want to also thank Mr. Omar Sharif, uh, founder of African American African American Contractors Association. We certainly want to thank the candidate for mayor, Dr. Watkins, for being with us. We appreciate you and thank you for being so patient with us, Mr. Watkins. Also, Raj, Dr. Watkins want to know wanted to know what your punch number is. To vote for Ron I'll be Carter. talking so much about everything else. I don't even talk <laughs> and, about and myself. My punch number is fifty-seven, close to seven. All right. That's right. Punch 57 in 2011 for the future alderman of the 17th War. Yes, you do, Ron. Yes, you do. You talk and do for everybody else. Ask them to talk about this stuff. And 
and he just will not do it, but he will do what he's supposed to do for the people of the 17th Ward. Black Wall Street is on the air every Thursday evening right here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Don't forget to listen to our show on Tuesday evening, the Consumer Show, 7.30 p.m. with attorney and CPA Derek McNeil. Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter, you know you should be Ottoman of the 17th Ward. I appreciate that. Uh, You certainly should, and I certainly believe that. Persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles, and we know all about this. Do what you love. Do it with the one you love. Have a great life, and listen to CBBN on Blog Talk Radio every Tuesday and Thursday evening. Have a great evening, everyone. We appreciate you joining us. Have a good night. And Saturday. Saturday, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. on WJPC Chicago. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.